I can't think of a message that I have preached recently that's more important than this message that I'm about to teach right now and today. If you've been paying attention to the local news here across America, you know that the, the number one discussion has everything to do generated by our Olympic competition and ultimately the pandemic, mental health. And what does it mean to prioritize your mental health and my mental health? That's the number one question. And so I want to teach about this today because, you know, sadly, I'm sad to say it, but we Christians, we don't do a good job of prioritizing our mental health. And the fact of the matter is we should be leading in this area. You know why? Because God calls us to be stewards of the bodies that he has given us. And a part of our living in this body has everything to do with our mental health, self-care. And we run, 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 run. We do very little when it comes to prioritizing our mental health. And on top of that, we find ourselves when we are struggling with our mental health, we use scripture and theology and all of that to diminish and to downplay and to minimize, to, to authorize ourselves to continue to ignore our mental health. So I want to teach this message. And let me just say a couple of things. Number one, I want to encourage you to go to our website. It's right here on the screen. And we got tons of resources to help you to take some substantive step forward in terms of self-care around your mental health. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to come back and teach a series called Detox. And, and I'm going to spend a couple of weeks uh, helping us to detox some of the, uh, from some of the bad theology that impacts how we think about our mental health. So make sure you're, you're, you're tuning in a couple of weeks from now as we kick off our detox series. You do not want to miss that series. Uh, but today, uh, I'm just going to kind of touch this a little bit and challenge you to destigmatize mental health to remove the shame from your own mental health, to be able to own your own struggles along with me, along with others. Listen, I saw a statistic the other day, and then we'll jump into this text in just a moment. I saw a statistic the other day that said several thousand pastors were surveyed, and 30% of them said that they're not sure that they're going to make it through the end of this year. That's how challenging, caring, and pastoring, and leading people in this divisive, polarized broken era has been for many of us. Here's the point. I don't think it's possible for you to have been alive and lived through the pandemic, through all of these different traumas and not have your mental health affected. But it is possible for you to deny it and pretend that everything is okay when it's not. So I'm going to push you hard on that today because I believe God wants me to push you hard. And as I push you hard, check it out. I'm pushing myself hard on this. All right, let's go to our text. You know, you really want to talk about spirituality and mental health and how it work together? You need to talk about Job. So here we are. We find Job right in the middle of his own crisis. And uh, here's what he says. And if you listen very closely, it may sound like something that you have said, or at least you thought. I bet you at least thought it. Job says, but I don't have the strength to endure. I have nothing to live for. You know, when the controversy broke out a few days ago around Simone Biles pulling back from some of her Olympic events after a couple of events didn't go well, uh, the first person to step forward to support her was this guy right here, Michael Phelps. And you know Michael Phelps, I'm sure if you know anything about swimming, Olympics, he's the most decorated American male swimmer there is. He's got 23 gold medals. 
And he was the first to move, to step forward and to retell a story that he's been telling for years now. He's even made a documentary about, uh, about the larger effect on athletes, etc. cetera, uh, called The Weight of Gold. You ought to check that out. It's HBO special. Uh, but he stepped forward and said, way to go, Simone. Way to go. Way to prioritize your mental health over everything else. And then he told the story about how, you know, he's at the height of his, his career and how he woke up one day and, dis- and, 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 dis- and, and had a realization that to most people, he was not a person. He was just an athlete, an athlete. And he said the realization was so daunting that he came this close to taking his life. Here's his statement. I'm extremely thankful that I did not take my life. So he said, way to go, Simone. Way to do it. Way to prioritize your mental health. Here's a question that you and I have got to ask and wrestle with. How are you doing with prioritizing your mental health? Here's a passage that I really love. And, and over the years, as I've preached uh, in various contexts, and I'm preaching through difficult subjects, Towards the end of the message, I usually quote this text right here. The psalmist, and I can shout out as the psalmist says, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And yet, if you've lived through the last two years, if you're, if you're paying attention to Michael Phelps, come on, if you're paying attention to Simone Biles, if you're paying attention to your own body, perhaps when you hear me or some other preacher declare, but joy, come on, shout joy. Joy comes in the morning. Perhaps your basic question is, that's awesome. But how in the world am I going to endure the night? How will I survive the night? That's what Job was saying. He was saying, I don't have the strength to endure. I don't think I'm going to make it through the night. That's what he was saying. So here's your question. How do I survive the night when I feel like I'm losing my mind? Now, let me just, just give you a quick insight here. It may feel like you're losing your mind, but I want to suggest you, me, the rest of us, the only time we're really losing our mind is when we're not taking care of our mental health. Yeah. Just put that in your back pocket, right? <laughs> just sit on that right there, all right? Now, let me just bounce back. So, so wrestle with this question. Yeah, how do I survive the night? I want to get to the joy portion. I want to get to the, but it's hard for me to survive. Now, I'm a Christian. I'm a Jesus. But it's hard for me to survive the night. How do I do it? How do I do it? How do I do it? Well, when you hear Job says, you know, I don't have the strength to endure. When you hear him say that, uh, I have nothing to live for. He's not just making a theological statement here or a spiritual statement. When you ask the question, how do I survive the night to get to the joy? That's just not a spiritual question. You know what kind of question that is? That's a mental health question. It's a mental health question for believers and anyone else who's asking that question. Here's the deal. When God made you, when God made me, he made us physical. He made us body, mind, and soul. Physical, emotional, spiritual. Here's the reality, guys. If somebody walked up on the stage and stabbed me with a knife, they would cut into my physical body and I'd start bleeding physically. But the attack 
would traumatize me emotionally. Come on now. And, 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 and would probably confuse me spiritually. And, if, and probably six weeks from now, the doctors get take care of me. The wound will heal. But the emotional trauma, I, I, I would still wake up with panic attacks. I would still wake up. Uh, uh, you know, I still have nightmares about the person coming up. Uh, that's, the, that's the trauma. It would go on. The spiritual confusion around why God allowed that to happen. Potentially, that would go on. Now, that's what we find when we study Job. And by the way, that's what we experience throughout the biblical text. That whenever you run into a physical challenge... In the biblical text, you're also running into an emotional challenge. Come on, mental health. And you're also running into a spiritual challenge. But we typically spiritualize everything. And we miss the mental health stuff that's going on in the text. Let me just give you one quick example. One quick example. When the psalmist says in Psalms 42, when he says, uh, As a deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for thee, O God. That's spiritual. I'm panting for God, right? And, and, and he said, when can I go to meet with my God? Then he says this, my tears have been my bread both day and night. That's emotional. What he's saying is that I'm in the midst of a trauma. Actually, he had been moved from Jerusalem. He had been exiled in Babylon and he had been isolated from his, his homeland and his place of worship. And he says, I'm in the midst of a trauma. And the trauma is so intense that I, I go to bed crying. I, I, I cry through the night. I wake up in the morning crying. I'm crying at lunch. I'm, 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 I'm crying throughout the day. My tears have been my, my bread both day and night. That's emotional. You see, it's right there in the text. It's right in the text. God calls us to confront the traumas that experience, that impacts our lives. Now, again, let's go back to Job. This is, this is the Job story, isn't it? All right, first of all, just for those of you who may not know the Job story, first thing we learn about Job is that not only is he a man a person of faith, he's a very faithful person. Here's what the text says about him. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. On top of that, he was wealthy and powerful. Here's what the text says about him. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. And as you read through the book of Job, you will ultimately come to the point where it lays out the fact that he wasn't just wealthy and powerful, but he used his wealth and his power in godly ways to help those who are marginalized and poor and so forth and so on. Now, here's the fallacy that Job had that set him up for spiritual confusion when he woke up in the midst of trauma. The fallacy was that if I walk close enough to God and if I do the right thing with my money and my power, then God will protect me from life's tragedies Life's grieving moments and life's trials. Oh, if Job had heard what Jesus would say millenniums later, in this life, you will have tribulations or another translation, trials or another translation, troubles or here's my translation, traumas. That's right. 
<laughs> but be of good courage. I, Jesus says, have overcome. And he's saying that, that if we live our lives in him, we too will overcome the traumas. Come on now, the trials. But it is a process that starts with us acknowledging that we're in the midst of a trial and owning it. Here's what Job learns at the end of chapter 42. His 42 chapters in Job. Here's what he learns at the end. <laughs> Being a believer does not mean that your faith keeps you from tragedy or keeps you from grieving moments or keeps you from trials. Being a believer means that your faith, come on, allows you to experience tragedy, grieving moments and trials with hope. And it is the hope that declares that, that whatever the tragedy and the trial is, it will not have the last word, that God will have the last word. So chapter 42 opens up, and everything he loses, he gets back plus. That's just the text where it's saying God has the last word. We suffer with hope. But we do suffer because we live in a broken world. The confusion, though, is we think that God is to somehow give us an escape from life's struggles. But that is not the promise of faith. So Job experienced mental health challenges induced by his trauma. He said, well, what was his trauma? For those of you who may not know the story, you know, he's wealthy, he works, he, he, he lives for God. And then one day he gets some news. A combination of environmental tragedies and others wipes out all of his wealth. Overnight. And then before he can digest that, can somebody say trauma? Trauma. He goes from wealthy to poor overnight. And then before he can digest that news, another messenger comes in and says that all of his kids are in one of the siblings' home partying, having a good time, and a hurricane rises up out of nowhere and wipes it out and destroys all 10 of his kids. Can somebody shout trauma? And then his body breaks out and soars. And he finds himself sitting in a garbage dump outside of the city with a piece of pottery scraping his sores. And at first, he's very much like most of us who are believers. He says all the right things. He says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Come on, that's, 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 that's all the right thing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's, he says, when his wife says, listen, why don't you just curse God and die? Because your faith is this is the best it can do. Just die. Come on now. And, and he says, well, should we expect good from the hand of God and not bad from the hand of God? Says all the, but then sitting out in that garbage, he sits out there for seven days. He feels like a piece of garbage. He starts thinking about the beautiful kids that he's lost. He's having flashbacks. He's having panic attacks. I'm sure he's, he's, he's aching and he's, isn't it, he's just in a terrible situation. Finally, he begins to speak. And as he speaks, the first thing we learn is that he had already been a man of high anxiety. Here's what he says. What I always feared had happened has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. Listen, if you've lived through the last two years, you have a reason to have anxiety because we've seen some of the most un, <laughs> unprecedented tragedies sweep upon us again and again and again and again. Yes, it makes sense that some people may be afraid to go outside or afraid to plan for next week. 
because we've seen tragedy come out of nowhere. He said, hey, I live with that anxiety. And then it happened. And as we, as we listen to Job, as he says, so, you know what? I don't have the strength to endure. I don't have anything to live for again. We see in that statement all of the various mental health challenges that we find ourselves dealing with. Look, number one, we see fear. We, see, we, we hear fear in that statement. And we hear, uh, uh, next slide, we hear uh, all the trauma, anxiety, loneliness, fear, hopelessness, dread. Take a picture of this with your camera, your phone. Because one, two, or three of these, you and I, we know. This picture is a picture of our mental health, guys. It's a picture of his mental health. All right, so, so here's the question. So what do I do? How do I survive the night, especially when I'm feeling all this fear and this anxiety and this depression, and I'm feeling like I'm losing my mind? Well, the first thing you and I need to do is this. We need to learn how to say out loud, simply, I'm not okay. Come on, let's practice that. Shout it. I'm not okay. Come on, you're in San Jose or, or you're sitting in your home. and Just shout it out loud. I'm not okay. Go ahead, type it in the chat. I'm not okay. We need to learn how to be able to say that out loud. All right, here's Job, here, here's Job saying it. Here's how he says it. It says, then Job spoke again. He spoke out loud. If my misery could be weighed and my troubles be put on the scales, they would outweigh all the sands of the sea. Come on, take all the sand in the world and put that on a scale. Take all of my misery that I'm feeling right now. My misery would outweigh the sands of the world. And, uh, and, and so that's why I spoke impulsively. I love that. Isn't that amazing? Say, I'm not okay. That's what Job said. So that's, that's, that's why I said some things I wasn't intending to say. See, when you're able to say, I'm not okay, I'm, perhaps you're not okay because you're in the midst of grieving. You've lost a loved one or several loved ones or you're trying to care for an aging parent and the trauma that you are experiencing on a regular basis means you find yourself yelling at your kids. Why? Because you're not okay. You find yourself, as I've already said several times, with panic attacks. Why? Because you're not okay. You find yourself eating too much or not eating at all or can't sleep through the night, only two or three hours. Why? Because I'm not okay. You need to be able to say that out loud. That's the first step towards prioritizing your mental health. You can't care for what you don't acknowledge. I'm not okay. We see these examples in real life. The first, first I'd love to just introduce you to Bubba Watson. If you know anything about golf, you may know him. He's Fabulous golfer, 12 times PGA Tour winner, two-time Masters winner. And uh, he, 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 would, he, he has said on several occasions that he used to keep everything about his challenges to himself, to ashamed, to afraid. But now as he has grown, really, as a Jesus follower, because he's a Christian, right? He, he's now able to say out loud that he suffers from anxiety and he's not okay. Right. Here's, here's his own words. Here's what he says. I have a lot of fears in my life, which as I'm reading the Bible, I'm not supposed to have, he says, but I do. Come on now. Honestly, I have a lot of mental issues. Now, stop right there. He says, I have a lot of mental issues. Now, wait a minute. Did you cringe a little bit when he said mental issues? Did you like like you couldn't imagine yourself saying mental issues? Hey, guys, 
Right now, we all got some mental issues. Keep moving. Keep, next slide. <laughs> I'm just so fearful. This is his anxiety. You know, he has generalized anxiety when he's in a crowd. Uh, he feels self-conscious. He feels like people are judging him. And, and he says, I'm fearful of things which I shouldn't be. He says, I'm scared of heights. I'm scared of buildings. I'm scared of, that buildings will fall on me. You, 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 you know, thinking about what happened in Florida. The, I'm scared of the dark. I'm scared of crowds. He would go on to say, listen, I'm a good dad. I'm a good husband. I give a lot of money to charity. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But you know, I'm not 100%. I'm not okay. I got to work on this. I got to keep this out in front of me. I, this is my mental health. This is exactly what Simone Biles was trying to say. Now, listen, we, 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 I suspect you know, put Simone Biles' picture up there. Come on. Uh, uh, I suspect you know that she is also the most decorated female gymnast in history, right? She combined total of 30 Olympic and world championship medals, 30 last Olympics. She won four gold medals. And she entered her first couple of events. She didn't do well. She made an appraisal. Come on. Here's what she said. Next slide. Here's what she said. She said, I felt lost in the air. She said, it was, my mental was not there. In other words, she was saying, I'm, I'm not okay, guys. I am not okay. She says this. Sometimes you just have to step back. I, I didn't want to go out and do something stupid and get her all of those flips and things that she's doing. If she's not mentally engaged, she could literally break her necks. Bravo, Simone, for prioritizing your health. And the first step for her to do that was that she had to acknowledge she was not okay. Notice this term. Sometimes you just got to step back. Keep that in the back of your mind. All right. Second insight I want to say. I got to be able to say I'm not OK. Here's the second insight. I need to be able to accept that there are moments for appropriate weaknesses. You know what Simone was saying? <laughs> I'm not superwoman. Come on. Here's how Job says it. Here's what Job says. <clears throat> Do I have the strength of stone? Is my body made of bronze? And come on. He comes forth with the answer. No, I'm utterly helpless without any chance of success. You know what? He says, I'm weak. That's his acknowledgement right here. I'm weak. You know, when I think about weakness, I think about the great apostle Paul. And in 2 Corinthians, he tells this fabulous stories about how he has this unidentified, what he calls a thorn in the side, right? It's, it's a metaphor for that there's something painful in his life. He said he repeatedly asked God to remove it and, and ultimately, the answer that came back from Jesus was, mm, I'm not going to remove it. Here's how he talks about it. Each time he, God says to him, to him, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast, Paul says, about my weaknesses. Right? Next screen. Here's what he says. So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasures in my weaknesses. What Paul is saying is that I've discovered that there are some moments in my life that it is okay for me to acknowledge that I'm weak, that I can't, I can't make the mark. And it's that's in those moments is when God fills me with his power and his strength. That goes against everything that you and I have taught growing up. The, the folk, we grew up, people telling us, don't cry, dry those eyes. 
You fall down, get up, boy. Shake that off. And, and, and in our lives right now, we just run, we run, we run, we run. We ignore our pain. We ignore our emotional self. Moses, no, no, he's learned a lesson. There are moments when you and I should acknowledge, if you're going, again, if you're going through grief, it's okay for you to be weak. If you're going through a divorce, it's okay for you to be weak. Come on. If you've lost a business or you're dealing with the trauma of, you know, of a loved one who just been diagnosed and, 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 and they're, you know, they're on a ventilator, it's okay for you to be weak. Come on, just say it out loud. It's okay for me to be weak. Next verse, look at how it ends it. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Now, here's the deal. This is what it, here, if you don't hear anything else, get this lesson. One of the reasons we do not acknowledge that we're weak, one of the reasons that we do not acknowledge that we're not okay is because we have deceived ourselves into believing that the whole world depends upon us. I was talking to her mom the other day. She's a waitress at a local restaurant. And I've been getting to know her. And this particular day, I was talking to her about her dreams and her faith and believing God. And she was saying she couldn't think about herself because she had a 19-year-old son and an 18-year-old daughter who she was basically taking care of, driving here, doing this for. The daughter lost her phone. So mom gave her a phone. She says, you know, I just have to be there for those kids. And, and what I try to get her to see is that as long as she continues to be there for those kids in that way, those kids will never be able to stand up on their own. You know, I remember uh, one of my members told me in my first church, I pastored in Faith Presbyterian Church, she said, listen, pastor, don't you fool around and let those people kill you. <laughs> she said, listen, you think you're indispensable. You fool around and let them kill you. They're going to come up, they're going to come to your funeral, they're going to look at your corpse in the casket, and they're going to say, hmm, he sure does look natural. <laughs> they're going to walk off, and all the stuff you thought couldn't get done without you is going to get done. Wow. Dismiss this. You hear what Simone said? She says, sometimes you just have to step back. And because she stepped back and, and, no, and, and, and refused to believe the lie that the whole nation was on her shoulders, that she was the only one that could actually could lead the American team to a gold medal because she stepped back. This reality happened. This young lady right here. Put, put, it, put it up. This young lady right here made history. Ocean. Woman, Suni Lee, Laosan American, first time, a Laosan American. She won all around gold medals in gymnastics. You see, parents, when you step back, that might help the kids to step up. <laughs> when you say, you know, I'm not okay, uh, and, and, and you're able to, to, to do this, here's your next point. Here, let me go ahead and give you the next point. You're able to ask for help, right? Who, who are you going to ask for? Ask for help for the family. You know, I, I need more help with chores. I need more help uh, with, the, with the responsibilities. Why? Because I'm not okay. Mom's got to say that. Dad's got to say that. Ask your friends. Come on. 
Uh, ask your colleagues, ask your teammates. That's what, that's what Simone said to the team. She said, I'm going to back up. You guys are going to have to step up. And boy, did they step up. Ask a counselor. You know, you need to sit down with a counselor sometimes and, and do talk therapy and process through. That's, they are trained. They are gifts from God. Sometimes you got to ask for help from a doctor. Sometimes you got to join a small group. If you're here in BCC, you got to join a small group. But there are a lot of people sitting in small groups but will not acknowledge their struggle in the small group. Group. You got to ask for help. Ultimately, you got to ask for help from God. And you say, well, well, why did you put God last? Well, really, here's the deal. When we ask God for help, the first place he's going to point us to are, yeah, the people that he's put in our lives and the resources he's made available in addition to the power of his spirit working in our lives. Come on, say it out loud. Ask for help. That's what we got to do. And then, if you're going to survive the night, not only must you ask for help, you got to change your routine. That's what Simone was doing. She's changing her routine. Here's a let go of what you can't control. Stop trying to control stuff you know you can't. Focus on what you can. Eat better, exercise more, and rest longer. Take a picture of this. I want you to get these, these, these practical. Next slide. Watch this. Pray and meditate more. Spend more time in the presence of God that he might fill you with his presence. Internalize God's word. Let me just stop right here and just say, listen, you can go on the Internet and you can you can you can look up scriptures about depression, scriptures about anger, scriptures about grief. And then find the trend. Go to Bible Gateway and pick New Living Translation or a translation that you work like and start writing them out and start internalizing those scriptures. And, and, then, and, then, and, then, and then speak those scriptures out loud that they might exercise power in your life. You've got to be able to say you're going through a tough time. You've got to be able to declare, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed within me. You know, and in other words, keep pushing this. I've got to keep going. Come on, you, 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 you're confronting challenges at work. You've got to be able to say, great is he that is in me than the one that is in the world. Come on, you, you're feeling unloved. You've got to be able to say, for God has loved me with an everlasting love. Oh, you've got to be able to say, as Paul says, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ. Learn and internalize God's word. And then check this out. Stop re-traumatizing yourself. See, the moment you say that I'm not okay and that I actually need some help, you got to start, that means that your emotional health is thin and that some TV programs you used to look at two years ago, you can't actually watch now because the violence and all that, that conjures up the, 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 the trauma that you're still trying to work through in your life and you, you re-traumatize yourself. Some of the new stuff that you're just, you're, just, you're just vegetating out, all you're doing is re-traumatizing yourself and you wonder why you can't sleep through the night. You, you, you wonder why you're so de- you, you continue to be depressed because you keep traumatizing yourself. And then finally here, Soak up compassion. Get around people who are going to feel your life with love. With love. All right, let me hasten to my conclusion. One more thing <clears throat> I want you to do. I want you to learn how to ignore uninformed voices. People who don't know anything about you, don't know anything about caring for your mental health or their mental health, stop listening to their voices. 
Here's Job. Job's demonstrating this, right? The people in Job's life, his friends, they are telling him, you must, be, you must have sinned. That's the only reason why you're getting all this stuff happening in you. Job says, no, I didn't sin. And they said, not only did you sin, now you're lying about not sinning. And Job is saying, you guys are so uninformed. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Here's what he says in the text. He said, my brothers, they're friends, brothers of his. Not blood brothers, but close to him, call them brothers. You've proved as unreliable as a seasonal brook. Watch this. Next slide. Go to the next slide. Watch this. As, 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 a, as a seasonal brook that when the hot weather arrives, the water disappears. That when I need sound counsel, I can't get it from you. <laughs> when I need wisdom, I can't get it from you. When I need comfort and support, I can't get it from you. It's like the brook vanishes in the heat. In other words, I got to learn how to ignore you. All right, here's what a guy said about Simone. He's unnamed. I'm going to tell you why I left him unnamed in a moment. He said this. We are raising a generation of weak people like Simone Biles. Now, I didn't name him. You know why? Because, go back to that slide. Go back to the slide. Because one of the reasons why we are not honest about our mental health it's because we have a voice just like this in the background of our minds. It's a voice that comes from our childhood. It's a voice that comes from our young adult life. It's, it's that voice that says that if you don't just run yourself to the breaking point, you are a weak person. And God wants me to tell you that that's a lie. It takes a strong person to allow his or herself to be, check it out weak so that others can be their strength. Watch this. Next slide. Here's what the other person says. Simone Biles just showed the rest of the nation that when things get tough, you shatter into a million pieces. This is the reason why a lot of people burn yourself out. You don't want nobody saying this about you. You know the guy who said this? He don't know what he's talking about. Did you know that Simone Biles had to work her way through a foster care system as a kid? Talking about weak. Do you know that Simone Biles uh, performed and won championships even though she was being regularly molested by the, by the team doctor? Do you know that Simone Biles won a U.S. championship landing on a broken toe? Do you know that Simone Biles won a world championship with gallstones? No, I, I'm sure Simone just ignored this voice because this is an uninformed voice. And the voices that you hear in the background of your mind, they are uninformed voices. They are antiquated voices. They, 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 they meant well, but they didn't know at that moment better. They didn't know what you know. They didn't hear this message that you're hearing about prioritizing your mental health. All right, let me end here. You guys have been great. Here's the last thing I want you to be able to repeat to yourself. I want you to be able to say it out loud. I'm in the middle of an unfolding miracle. Come on, somebody shout it. I'm in the middle of an unfolding miracle. 
You see, I, I was reading through, you get past chapter, you move on into chapter 19 of Job, and, 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 and you hear Job start off the chapter, he's just talking about how horrible life is. You know, he says his, his breath is repulsive to his wife. He says the kids look at him and they run the other way. You know, he, he, he just talks about uh, how nobody wants to be around him. And, he said, and then in the middle of it all, as he's talking about how horrible his situation is, and he's thinking out loud, he says, but I didn't do anything to deserve this. And he's really thinking about, well, how come God did this to me? When in fact, God did not do it to him. Uh, uh, evil was present and at work in the story of Job, just like evil is present and at work in the world around us. And, 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 and in the middle of it all, he says these words. Here's, here's what he says. Put the scripture up. Here's what he says. Oh, that my words could be recorded. Oh, that they could be inscribed on a monument, carved with iron chisel and filled, come on, and, and, and filled and with lead, engraved forever on the rock. In other words, if somebody could just write this down so that years after I'm dead, somebody can come back and say, you know what? He was innocent. Well, here's the insight. Check this out. Somebody did write it down. It was either Job who wrote this down and recorded it, or he told somebody who wrote it down. And if he told somebody about it, check it out, or if he wrote it down himself, because we've got it three millenniums later to read it, here is the good news. You know what Job figured out? Come on now, that he was in the middle. He just didn't know it. Things was hard. Things were terrible. That he could not conceive or imagine himself having a better day. But he was in the middle of an unfolding miracle. And chapter 42 came, and he exited into a brand new day. Somebody shouted with me. I'm in the middle of God doing a greater work in my life, an unfolding miracle. So hang on in there. Prioritize your mental health and let God have his way with your future. God, we thank you. You teach us how to trust you. You teach us to have the faith to remove the stigma and to be honest about our self-care and our mental health. And then you show up in the middle of the misery and you work your miracles. God, we're anxious, we're excited, we're looking forward to figuring out, to living out the miracles that you have yet to work in our lives. Help us to hang in there because it is true. Weeping does endure for the night. Oh God, but if we're honest about our struggles, if we ask for help, if we ignore uninformed voices, and if we just keep saying out loud, I'm in the middle of a miracle unfolding, joy will come in the morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, my prayer is that this message gives you the power, the courage, and all, and the faith to prioritize without fear or shame your mental health. And my prayer is that this message calls you to take a step closer to Jesus Christ. Now, every week we say the best way to do this is for you to engage us with our connection card, which is in our Facebook chat. It's also on our website. It's also in our NBCC app. And if you haven't downloaded our app, I want to encourage you, make sure you go ahead and download our app. If you're inside that NBCC app, you know how to just go to the Sunday screen and look for the connection card uh, link there. 
and push that link and you'll see next steps with Jesus. And the very first option is an opportunity for you to say, yes, I want to become a Jesus follower. I want him to be Lord over my physical reality, my mental and emotional reality, and over my spiritual reality, over my time and eternity. I entrust my life to him. You should go ahead and do that today. Or you may need more information and you're ready to return to your faith. There's some options there. And as it relates to the response to the message, this is what I'm hoping that we all can do. Uh, here's the challenge I want to make for, to you as a response to the message. Say this with me. I will prioritize my mental health as an act of faithfulness. Yeah, yeah, as an act of faithfulness to the body that God has given you, as an act of faithfulness, if you're a Jesus follower, you will prioritize, make that commitment today, right? Now, here's a reflection question to help you to take a step in that direction. What is one thing you can do to improve your mental health? Figure that out, write it out, uh, identify it. 